0: Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this service. And we want to welcome the ones online as well. So, and uh, this morning, I have the privilege first, I want to go back. I want to thank everyone who helped in any way, directly or indirectly, uh, yesterday with all the things that we had to do. I really appreciate your uh, help. And this morning I have the privilege to uh, have almost the whole, f- my whole family here, uh, some of my brothers and their families. Only one was not able to come. But, um, and most of you probably kind of know them, they, they've been here before. Uh, Ms. Ael's family, I want to, if you can, so I, I present, uh, introduce you to Misael. Ael. They're working with the Strong Tower Children Home in El Salvador and he'll be speaking later on here, thank you. And then is Natanael, which we call him Nata. so uh, his family. Thank you. And then Gamaliel, he is in Oklahoma, and he uh, works are there too, and he's also here with us. All right, thank you. That way you know which, which <laughs> family switch. <laughs> So, uh, and this morning also, I have the privilege to um, introduce you to Misael, who is going to be speaking, and I, I want him to come here, and we are going to pray together so, we can, oh, so he can start. He is my second brother, I'm the first, he is the second, and then the third one is the one who couldn't come, and then Nathanael is the fourth one, and Gamaliel is the fifth one, so just for your information. <laughs> Let's pray so Misael um, can begin. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we thank you for this opportunity that we have here to have the family together and thank you for the church. Thank you for everyone here. I pray for Misael as he speak to us. Pray that you uh, put in his heart what he wants to hear, Lord. I pray for everyone here as well. Give us good ears to listen and to understand what you want us to bring us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Misael. Thank
1: you. Good morning, everyone. For me and my family, it's a real privilege to be here this morning and, and worship. Worship of a great God. We have a great God. And uh, we love him. And we are so happy to be here and worship him. I always tell church in, in Salvador that how beautiful it is that we willingly worship him. And uh, that's the kind of worship that he loves, he likes. A willing heart to worship him because we want to. Nobody forces us. We just love him and worship because we love him. So we are here and we are happy to join you this morning in this beautiful worship, worshiping over God, especially because one of these days, I am hoping, very much hoping, that we'll be in heaven in a perfect condition, worshiping him forever. Um, until then, let's be faithful. So uh, this morning, you asked me to, to talk about what's going on in Salvador, about the things that we have been facing, and um, that's, I'm hoping to, to speak about that. Um, and uh, I'm going to, after, show a few, a few pictures and tell you a little bit what's going on, to share a little bit of the word of God, to hopefully encourage our heart. Okay, um, this year started for us pretty much normal with a lot of plans for our church and school, things like that. And uh, everything was going fairly well. All of a sudden, uh, plans had to change. And then uh, we were forced to close our school. And then later, uh, it was mandatory to close the churches. So then the schools start working in uh working by home by internet services and also the church. We use the Zoom application to to have churches with with everyone. So we 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 keep having churches like normal but uh, through through the computer. And then uh, in the government took very serious about this pandemic thing. And uh, they don't want anybody to go to work or to do anything. They want everybody to be at home, at home. And then, uh, well, people were uh scared and then in the beginning people were kind of doing their best to be home. They said only people who have something, urgency to go, they can go, but most, otherwise, they had to be home, and then they allow people to have a letter from your employer if you have something like uh, if you are working in the medical system or working for things like that. Well, because I work for the children home and they, they need, the children home need to keep going, I was able to get a letter. So I was able to go to work every day. And, uh, but pretty much the, the roads were lonely and not, not, not much traffic and, and just quiet. And things went kind of fairly well in the beginning, but by the third month, you start seeing everywhere a lot of white flags. People were just hungry. They couldn't wait any longer to be inside their home. They had to go to work. And it was just I, I had never in my life seen something like this. I've been, I am 50, 50 years old. And I'm going through a lot of things in a third world country like Salvador is a Salvador poor country. And we had gone through wars. Uh, the war was, was really tough and different earthquakes, all kind of things we were going through. But I had never seen something like this before. People just came to the, to the roads and with flag, white flags out, out of their houses and just people were just hungry. They, they were just, just trying to, to call that international attention because they've been, work, they were not, been working for about three months and, uh, and you can see that people were getting really desperate. Something else um, in the medical system, they couldn't find any mask to attend the, the, the sick people. And it was just a chaos in the hospitals, and then a chaos, and, and people very, going very hungry. So our church, um, through the help of a lot of people, including you, you people, uh, started working in a in a program to to sew masks because they couldn't find masks anywhere. You cannot buy them anywhere. It's just like something that you never would even think of, that you can find a mask in, in a pharmacy anywhere. But El Salvador is a place where a lot of countries uh, have a lot of factories like uh, U.S., the Levi's company, a huge company, uh, they employ about 10,000 people in one factory. They sew pants and everything, and then China and other places, they sew all kinds of things. So they, we have a lot of interests, a lot of people that know how to sew. So we decide, well, these people know how to sew, but they are home, they, don't, they cannot go to work. So we start hiring people that are, have a lot of experience sewing, and then, and then we pay them to, to make masks. And then we started sending the mask to the hospital. And then the doctors were so happy, so happy. Used to receive a mask. They were so happy because we have some neighbors that are doctors, and nurses, and they were, came to our doors and said, this is, a, this is a disposable mask. And we had to wash it every day to, to be able to, to, to keep working the next day. And they were so desperate for one mask. I was kind of hard, hard to believe that's that, but that's a, the way it was in the beginning of this. Anyway, uh, we also get together and, and, and um, put a lot of food parcels. Um, Regina can give you better the, the, the details, but uh, like a 10 pounds of beans, 10 pounds of rice, um, a lot of things. <laughs> Women know about what it goes. Regina kind of took care of all the details. Soap, toothpaste, and it was like uh, 65 to 70 dollars. Bag. Oh, and one thing, we give people a lot of corn. And you want to think, why corn? You know, a lot of American people that, that volunteers that were there with us before the pandemic, they help us in this. And they say, corn, why do you want to give so much corn to people? Well, corn in El Salvador is very important because people make tortillas, they make tamales, they make pupusas, they make drinks, they make, seem like a, they can do a lot of things. So when people see a big corn, it's like something beautiful for them. So, so we give a lot of corn to them. For, for some families, the biggest one, we give them 100 pounds of corn. And, and that was a tremendous blessing for them. Um, I'm going to show you some pictures of everything that I'm telling you right now. So hopefully you can have a better, a better picture in your, in your mind of what we are doing. If I know how to use this, they told me how to, but We'll see if I remember.
0: to to
1: go? Okay. Oops. The other way. If you hit the button to the arrow to the right, we'll go to the next picture. Um, just should, ha- yeah, if you push that once, it should go uh, forward one. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, this boxes that you see there is boxes that we usually use to pack a coffee, green 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 beans coffee. But we couldn't. All the stores were closed. You cannot buy anything. So we started getting the the cardboard boxes to pack the mask to send it to the hospital. So my children are packing those masks there. And those, what you see there is one of the biggest hospitals we have in El Salvador. And that hospital was set apart only for COVID-19 patients. So uh, two of my children that they're studying medicine, they went and and started delivering those. Those are the directors of the, the, this hospital that came and received the, uh, the mask. It was, a, it was a lot of masks. The, the picture is just for so people know what's going on. Um, this is another hospital uh, where people were very happy to receive those uh, masks. Uh, you see the logo of coffee there because <laughs> that's the way it is, but uh, um, it was a blessing to have those boxes there. Otherwise, I don't know who would have, who would have done it. That's how they use it. The, as soon as uh, a patient comes into the hospital, they give a mask. The, the, the mask that people are using, that the, the one that we're giving away. Um, they give masks to the volunteers and also to the patients. Okay, I'm going to talk a little bit about the full parcel project that uh, we developed that's the bag that I was talking about. The, the bag in the back is a is corn, and the, the bag in the front is just the other stuff. We have a lot of people, uh, workers of the children home, and uh, yeah, volunteers helping to put all this together. It was, it was a big project. I think we helped about 850 families total um, with uh, this... Uh, Pins. That's how the, when we're getting this together, looks like it looks like a big mess, but it's, somebody knows what's going on there. <laughs> <laughs> That's my brother Santos, and we've done picture the, the, el gordito. The <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't say that word in English because in, in English it's a, it's a kind of slang, but in Spanish, gordito means something nice, but uh, in English people don't like it. Gordito means little fat. Now, <laughs> uh, some other people like it if you call them a gordito because, because if, you, if you call them little fat, that means that they have a lot to eat and they're healthy. Uh, here it means something else, so we won't talk about it anymore. <laughs> but that's my brother anyway. <laughs> okay, uh, we, we load the trucks so all we can to uh, take this uh, full parcel to the, the right people. And we started going up the mountain uh, delivering those uh, full parcels to, we use different vehicles. Some of the places that we came is way up in the mountains and uh, the only way you can get there is walking. There's just, the vehicles only go so far and by then you had to, you had to go walking. See, that's what I'm talking to you. That's a hundred pounds bag of corn. And uh, uh, the, my boys and a lot of the youth from the church, they put their shoulders and walk all the little roads that vehicles cannot go to deliver those, uh, Those. Uh, see? There's no way vehicles can go there. It's just raggy and it's, it's mountainside. And yeah, the youth kind of put their muscles and the shoulders, and then get to the, to the right people. People were so happy to, to be able to receive something to eat. Some of those people live in a extreme poverty. And for them, that was a tremendous blessing to see that they have something to eat. Another picture of a family with children and with, uh, happy with their, their bags. Do you know what triplet is? That's what it is. That woman had three babies at once, not one by one. (laughs) We, as we came delivering full parcels, we come up to this family that they had three newborn babies, three at one. And uh, we decided to give a special meal to them. So the little bottles that you see there. Is the special milk that they get to nourish those babies, and they were so happy. They were extremely happy. Um, yeah, I better keep going. Uh, it's another, another family with them. Um, um, People came out of their, their houses and they received the full parcel, and then they were just happy to. Uh, yeah, we came to this this house that a lady lived there with her daughter, and then she said that. Recently, a tree fell off her, her house and, and destroyed part of her house. So, so part of her house is still on, and the other is kind of down. So, we we have plans with the church to build a little bit something better for her, uh, to help her out. But that's that's where she lives: the plastic bags, the walls, and rustic lamina for for roof. Yes, a different. A lot of people cook outside with firewood and that's the way they, that's what their their kitchen looks like. Our house. That's Tim, Tim Yoder, one of the workers of the home. I think he's from Virginia. He's back home. Okay, that's what. Uh, uh, just to show you a little picture of what uh, we have been doing this this month that down there. Um, the pictures don't show the expression of the people. I, I wish you can uh, catch some of those expressions of the people when you come, and uh, it's just it, it has something that moves you when when. Uh, when you come with the uh, special remember some places where we went and uh, and then uh, we have this uh, hundred pound of bags of corn and uh, we bring it to people, and the mothers came and just hardly can believe it some of them just cry and just look at this corn and like hardly can believe they have so much corn <clears throat> so it it, uh, it really touched our hearts to see how how people receive it and uh, to. Such a blessing for them to to see something coming their way, and uh, we praise God for His mercies, and we thank all of you who who help. We we receive a, a very good check from this church to help to buy the food and and uh, some of the masks and things like that, and we thank you and we praise God for His good and for His mercies that endures forever. Uh, I'll pause a little bit just to give you a chance to ask a question before we, I go to the to the message of this morning. If you have any question about what you have seen. Yes. Did you say where you got the corn? How you got the corn? Yes, uh no I didn't. I I can explain to you that um there is a big company in El Salvador that they import corn in a in the big quantities, like a semi-load. Uh, they usually grind it to make flour, things like that. Though they sell the, the whole thing too, but they usually, because they know they bring a lot of corn from Mexico, U.S., and different places. They have a lot of, the corn that you see is from Mexico. It's a big amount of corn they, they bring in, and then we buy directly from them. It. That was a challenge because we're not set up to buy big big quantities and taxes and things like that. And when you buy and you want to buy uh, 250 bags of 100 pound each, it's a lot of money. And then they say, you don't have the record that you buy corn. What what are you doing here? (laughs) So they kind of look as weird. Why do you want that much corn? Uh, because they their, they provide to, to factories a lot of corn, but when you show up the door and you want that much corn at once, they look like, a, what's going on here? Are you money laundry? what you're doing here? <laughs> we we'll try to explain to them, and after all the paperwork they were able to. I think it took about a week to go through all the paperwork to get a, to get the corn there. Um, so it's a, in the logistic things, For for a while, we thought it's a chaos because because we are buying a lot of stuff that we usually don't buy. So thankfully, I am guy had given me a wife that is good on managing things like that because she used to work at the store with her father. So she never get discouraged. Sometimes along the way, I just like this is not possible to do this, and she said, ah, we'll keep, we'll get there." So finally, we were able to, um, yeah, things get done. Other, any other question okay if not um, I would like to share with you a few um, words the word God and I would like to invite you to open your Bibles in the book of Habakkuk Habakkuk <clears throat> I had I'm pretty sure that you had faced a little bit, a feeling of uncertainties here, too, with all these COVID-19 things. And uh, around the world, everybody like, uh, came, this came and now what? It's like, a, it's the end of the world? Uh, what, what's going on? And people, a lot of people get panic. I don't know what's happened here in, this, in your area, but in our, in our country, some people just claim having a lot of panic because the world is kind of shaking in a, way, in a different way that they are used to. And things, life seems so uncertain. When the first neighbors start dying out of this, people were getting really scared. And life seems very uncertain. Now, my question this morning is, What do Christians do when life seems so uncertain? What do Christians do? What is our responsibility? How do we act? What is our testimony when things go so uncertain? In the Bible, we found this prophet, Habakkuk. He was facing extremely hard times. But what called me attention, I was through this uh, time of pandemic, I was reading in this book and really blessed my heart. I I spent about two, three Sundays teaching the church about the book of Habakkuk because I feel like we, we need to know this. This prophet was going through a hard time, but he knew what to do. He knew what to do. And that's, I hope that this morning, we look at this prophet and have the same attitude. Though it's not easy, but that's, that's what i aim into to this morning. I'm going to read just a few verses because it's, I cannot read the whole book. Just key verses and then we'll make some comments later. Let's start reading for. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 1. The first four verses, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear, even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. why dost thou shew me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance, for spoiling and violence are before me, and there are the race up strife and contention. Therefore, the law is slack, and judgment does not never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteousness. Therefore, wrong judgment preceded. And now, now turn to chapter 2, the first four verses 2. I will stand upon my watch and set, my, and set me upon the, the tower. And I will watch and see what he will say unto me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me, and said, Write the vision, and made it plain upon tables, that he may run and render it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak, and not lie, though it tarry, wait upon it. Wait upon it, because it will surely come and will not tarry. Behold, the soul which is lifted up is not upright. Behold, his soul which is not uplifted is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Amen. Verse 20. But the Lord is in his holy temple let all the earth keep silence before him now chapter 3 verse 16 to the end when i hear my belly tremble my lips quiver at the voice righteousness entering into my bones and i tremble in myself that i might rest that i might rest in the day of trouble, when he cometh upon the people, he will invade them with his troops. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the, wines, in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, from the and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And he will make my feet like hands feet, And he will make me to walk upon my high places. To the sh- yeah, we'll leave it right there. Let's pray. God, this morning we are here together. Because... We want to willingly we wanna worship you, but we also would like to listen to your word. Lord, we need the courage that comes from above to walk every single day. I I pray that you bless us with your word that we're able to understand. I pray that a special anointing to speak and to listen. So we can be blessed and your name be glorified. In Jesus' name pray, Amen. Habakkuk have a problem. This prophet was like, God, look, the time that we're living, just so full of violence, and court, seem like the righteous just get condemned, and the wicked, they just win in court. And it seems to me like you don't do nothing about it. I mean, the wicked is just doing whatever they want. The righteousness is just perishing. And it seems like a, you don't care. The, the, the prophet has a problem. He, he cannot handle what he's seeing. In front of his eyes, there's a lot of ugly things happening. People kill each other. People is just out of control, doing wicked and, and, God, and Habakkuk, the prophet, said, God, it seems to me like I, like I did not even care what's going on. How is it possible that you can allow all this to happen without doing anything? The prophet is, is, is so overwhelmed with what's going on that he poured out to God his words and kind of complain. If you read the book, the whole book, it's a soul that is kind of burdening inside and a tremendous burden and spitting out to God all that, all that. It seems to me like he's kind of complaining but what he is saying is just giving to God all his anguish. God, this is not possible. God, This is going on. This, this is too much wicked going on and how is possible you don't care about this? God, I need to know. Something needs to happen. This cannot go like that anymore. The worst is like a, that you see it, but you don't know nothing about it. You know, and God listened to him. God listened to his complaint. God listened to his cry because he was sincere. He, he had a deep desire to see God doing something for his people. That's why in, in uh, chapter 2, God said, how about easy. Easy. I have things under control. It's not like what you're saying, that things are going and I don't do anything, or I don't care, or, or, or it's like I look on the other side. No, Habakkuk. it's not that way. I know what's going on. I understand what's going on, and I hate it. I don't like it that way. But you know what? I'm going to do something Do time. In my time, I'm going to do something. And listen, Habakkuk. listen to me. Write it down, write it down. So when it happened, you know there was me doing this. You write it down and make sure the letters go everywhere. Everybody need need to read what is going on, what I'm going to do. I'm going to do something that when people hear it, they're not going to believe it. It's going to be so terrible. What I'm going to do, is so terrible, but so terrible that when people listen, they won't believe it's true. So make sure you write it down and send the letters so every people, everybody know what's going on. Because it might take some time, it might tarry a little bit, it might tarry a little bit longer, but it is going to happen. It is going to happen in my time. But just so people know that it's me doing it, write it down and let people know that it's coming. And and what is coming is more than people think and believe. And then God goes through a lot of details of what's going on. God explained to them that an army is coming. An army that they don't know yet because it's it's not part of the, the armies that... Live in those days, were were different. The Egyptians, the Assyrians, that's what they knew. But God is talking about something, other type of army that's coming. And it happened, it came. But what I'm, what I'm saying is that God said, Abba I ain't going to do that. You see a lot of evil, I ain't going to do something about it. Just wait and see. Abba listen to God. Listen to God talking to him, and when Habakkuk understand that God is going to do something, I love to see Habakkuk respond. He write a worship song. He, that one whole chapter is just he bursts in praise to God. He praise God for. Understanding that God is not forgetting his people. He, he worship out, out of his heart come a of worship because he understands that God is going to do something. God is not forgetting his people. God is going to do something to take care of the real reason that's going on right now in this place. He worship God when He knows that God is going to take care of the problem. But later, how I could do something else that I think is everyone is responsible. Everybody, everyone here, all of us Christians, we have the same responsibility. And I'm afraid this is not very easy to do. How I could understand that God is going to Finally. Someday. Judge. The evil that is going on. And he know the details. He know there is a huge destruction coming. And he know. That he. Is going to suffer with everybody else. In this distraction. He understand very clear. That. God, in God's judgment he's going to suffer too because he's part of this, this uh, nation and he's going to suffer the consequences with everybody else but what he, what he said about this is what really struck my heart he said I understand now that God is going to do something about this but in that day when this happened in his he said, I'm going to be still, I'm going to be still. Uh, when I see the torment that, that's coming over us, he said, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be still because I know. That God is in control of the situation, and then He goes further and says, "What is coming is so hard for our people. That our cows are going to be destroyed, our olive trees is no longer going to be available to give any fruit. Barely it seems like a, what is coming is so terrible that." A lot of suffering is coming. And then he said this that is really hard to say. I rejoice in the God of my salvation. I rejoice in the God of my salvation. L- listen, brothers and sisters, listen. How a cook is not saying, Well, our times are coming and we're going to suffer together. We're going to handle this together and well we're going to suffer whatever happen happen we're going to suffer this because nothing else to do we're going to suffer we're going to bear it we're going to go through the pain of this because there's nothing else to do let's let's suffer together that's not what he said and this is what really struck my heart when I was reading this he said when the suffering comes, I am going to rejoice in the God of my salvation Is it possible for us Christians to say that too? Is that possible that we come to that point walking with God so close that we can listen to him and we understand his ways to the point that we said, God is in control. God is in control. If, when God is in control, I not only accept the situation, I can rejoice. That's not very, hard, not very easy to say. But this, this is what this prophet is doing. Uh, now my question is it is okay to rejoice? It is okay to, to say those words? I'm going to rejoice in the God of my salvation in hard times when people are suffering to death. It's okay. Can I rejoice? Habakkuk did. But why he did it? Why? That's the question that really strikes me. Why? I'm going to I'm going to tell you this. Habakkuk has seen his people doing evil out of control. And no matter how, how much he preached, how, matter he call, how much he called them, don't do it. Come to God. The Lord Moses said, different, you need to, you need to turn to God and live those wicked ways. No matter how much he screamed, nobody listened. Listen. But when he sees that God is merciful for these people, it's so great that he is, he is sending them something so hard that they're going to wake and look up to God and say, God, we need you. When evil people finally have something to really to listen, to look to God, to come back to God, Habakkuk said, I'm going to rejoice. In the Lord of oh my salvation, because eternal life for these wicked people is more important than cows and fig trees. That's why he can rejoice. He's not rejoicing with the suffering of the people. You know, let them understand. Let's do not misunderstand these verses. He's not rejoicing that people are suffering. He's rejoicing that these evil people, nothing stops them from doing evil. Nothing is stopping them from living a wicked life. Preachers preachers spend hours preaching, talking about the word of God. They don't want to listen, they just want to go their own way. They want to live wicked. When God says something terrible that made them wake up and look up to God, the prophet said, Finally, something happened that these people can wake up and look at to God. And for me, seeing people going to heaven, have a relationship with God, is much, much, much more important. The cows, the food, the fig trees, the whatever else. Brothers and sisters, thus, when Habakkuk was able to say, I rejoice in my God. I rejoice in my God of my salvation because eternal life mean a whole lot more than a few cows and a few, a few fig trees. And until we each one of us understand that principle and that point, we won't be able to rejoice either. We won't be able to rejoice. We are not called to live to live with the attitude that the world live when it comes to COVID-19, earthquakes, fires, storms, tornadoes, whatever else come and overweigh. We are not called to live the same way that the people live, the world people live. We are not called to have the same attitude. No. We Christians are called. We have a higher call. Babacook said, I am going to rejoice. I am going to be in my highest. The Spanish translation said, when this happens, I am going to be like in the clouds, like in the high place. I'm going to be excited. I'm going to be feeling extremely great. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to celebrate in the God of my salvation. The joy that can can come out of this is something that I cannot express. It's just far out. We are not called to have the same attitude that the world has when hard time comes. The world says, well... Poor me. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to I'm scared, This is terrible. There's no way to go. There's nothing to do. And just blah, blah, blah. Life is just terrible. We're not called to live the same way. We are called to lift out the banner of the gospel that teaches us that when hard times come, we can raise, we can lift up higher and said, no. Now, we Christians, we are going to rejoice in the God God of my salvation because eternal life is more important than what our eyes can see. This is temporary. What we can see is temporary. But eternal life is forever with Jesus and nobody can take the joy out of our heart. Our joy don't depend that I have A lot of cows, a lot of fig trees, a lot of, everything is flourishing. My joy don't depend on that. My joy depends on the Lord of my salvation. That's what Habakkuk said. This is my God. That's where my joy is. So the cows can go, the fig trees can go, everything can go, but the joy won't go because it's it's in the God of my salvation. Brothers and sisters, that is the deep desire of my heart. But that we as a church stand up in that position. The Bible says this old world comes from plus to less. So for us Christian, COVID-19 thing like that couldn't be kind of what to kind of expect because if we read the Bible, we're not going to have a better, better as until we come paradise here forever. No. The Bible said this is going to go to nothing. The Bible explained it very clear: this is going to go to nothing at one point. So to expect that it's going to be from less to less is kind of not to discourage anybody. It's the other way around. It's to encourage us that we had the best and we're prepared because the best is coming. We just wait for the moment when our souls can be for real redeemed forever. And we can celebrate with Jesus forever. Until then, we need to have this attitude that Habakkuk had. If our Lord God allow hard times to happen, disasters, Pandemias, whatever come, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Why? Because my joy is not in what my eyes can see. My joy is in the God of my salvation, and nobody can take that out of me. COVID-19 is not going to take the joy out of me. Why? It's like if COVID-19 takes the joy, I don't read this book. Nothing. Take the joy because it depends on God, not in the things that He can see. Brothers and sisters, this is the desire of my heart that we understand the days that we're living and we stand up strong and tall as Christians. That the world around us can see that it's something different in these people. These people. They face different hard situations. They don't seem to be panic. I hope that your or neighbors, or coworkers, the people around us can say, ah, "These people, they not even seem panicked. These people live different. These people, they seem like a. They always have joy." It's not like we don't have a cloudy day. We, we do have a cloudy day. That's not, that's not the point. But I'm talking about the joy that comes in the God of our salvation. Habakkuk is a good example. If you want to know more, go home and read the book of Habakkuk and see the core of his messages. Habakkuk is a good example when hard things come, what to do as a Christian. How to face this old world. How to face life. And may God or Lord God receive honor and glory. It's not, we don't want people to say, hey, look at the Christian. Hey. We don't want people clapping hands for, for us. No. We want to point people to God. These people are different because they might have a God that they can trust on. It's not for us. That's not the point. This, uh, I, I, it's not that, that people can say, oh, my neighbors," and put you in the high, very high pedestal. No. The point is that you trust God so much that people can see that this neighbor must have a God that he can love and trust and is powerful to be in control of everything in the world great God can receive all honor and glory and his people be blessed. We take the blessing and he take the honor and the glory. We can be blessed with his joy and he can be glorified for his people and the people that are seeing us living our daily life. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word that teaches. us where to stand, what to do when there's no way, nowhere else to go. Father, we do want to follow you. God, we not we want our joy to depend on you, not in the things that we can see. Help us because we understand that this high authority, that is not always easy. The world around us can panic sometimes we had that tendency that intention to follow, to be panicked also. God, we don't want to follow the world. We want to follow you, your voice, your call. And stand strong and tall to lift up your holy name, the banner of the gospel, so this world can know that it's a mighty God in control, and everything is going to be okay. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the wonderful time here with these dear people, the church. I pray, I pray, Lord Jesus, a special blessing for this church. I pray you bless them abundantly. I pray that you open the window of heaven and bless them bless that them, abundantly for every life, every family, every single soul here, that they can be filled with your Holy Spirit to live every single day. It's strong for you in this wicked world that we are living, these evil days that we are living, that we, your people, can live in pure and holiness for your honor and glory. That, Lord Jesus, the world around us know that there is mighty God in control. So we love you, Lord Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.